0: 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And uh, tonight we continue our study in prophecy. And uh, as I mentioned last week, this is a study that uh, I can guess in the last 18 months I've studied more prophecy than I ever have in my life. And. Uh, It's been an eye-opener for me. It's been a good blessing for me uh, to really dig into prophecy. What I want to say tonight before I get into the subject matter for tonight uh, is a reminder. Last week, our introduction to prophecy, there's a purpose for prophecy. The purpose is Revelation 19.10. The Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And as I mentioned last week, if we go... All through this this prophecy study, and yet we never tell one soul about Jesus Christ, we've missed the point. If we go through this whole study of prophecy, we never one time seek to reach somebody else. We've we've missed it. We really have. Uh, Yesterday, uh, some of the bus workers were out. I know Jonathan, and uh, I'm going to mention him. I know he's not wanting me to mention him per se. But he went and knocked on some new doors with some of the other folks, found a new rider... That new writer came and got saved this morning, that young lady. I praise God for that. That's what it's all about. And uh, Brother Joe gave his testimony going out and seeing his neighbor saved this week. We had a good time. Got to see one fellow saved uh, knocking some doors yesterday. And, and uh, most people don't get saved when you go to their door, but they at least will receive a track, They'll at least uh, open their hearts uh, to something that you ask them. And so I want to emphasize again to us that the whole point of the Word of God is that we do our job that we're left here to do. That's to win souls. Uh, In Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, remember that the uh, apostles, they asked the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, actually earlier in chapter 1, they said, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? What did he say? He said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, I want to encourage you to put uh, put this matter of prophecy to work, and go win some people to Christ. Go tell somebody this week about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I think I had 58 different verses uh, in our study last week. And the way I'm viewing this study is it's a marathon study. It's not something we're going to uh, get into for two or three weeks and it's going to be done. If, if the numbers are correct, that two-thirds of the Bible is prophecy, then what that means is there are 20,000 verses of prophecy. There's over 31,000 verses in the Bible. And uh, just I counted through my notes just for tonight. I'm not even sure I'm going to get through all these notes tonight. I might get through half of them. But there's over 100 verses in my notes tonight. And so if you take what we uh, had from last week and you add it with what we have this week, we haven't even covered 1% of the verses on prophecy. And so uh, as I've asked you before, if you would, when you come to this study in prophecy, bring your Bible, bring a pen, bring something to write on, and then ask this question. Are these things so? Go back, get into your Bible for yourself, and that's really my goal through this study is that I study with you in this matter of prophecy. I also want to say this, uh, not only is it going to be a marathon study, we're going to cover a lot of of ground over the next several months, but I want to invite you to ask questions. Take those prayer request cards, the, the visiting cards, prayer request cards, and if you have a question you'd like to see addressed during this study of prophecy, I want to encourage you to write that question down Put it in the offering plate and uh, no no promise about when I'll I'll get to it, but I promise you I will do my best to get to all of those questions. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Take those cards, write those down, and uh, I will do my best to study each and every one of those things. So again, I want to say don't miss a Sunday. Make sure you're here for each and every part of this study. There are some things, as I've uh, already mentioned, that I have changed in my own viewpoint of prophecy. And it's simply because it's what the Bible says. It's not because of uh, any particular book. I, I, I have books. I have this many books in my office right now. And I've read through those books. But there are things that my viewpoint has changed simply because I'm digging further into the Scriptures. And uh, what I want you to do is dig with me into the Scriptures on this matter of prophecy. Tonight, the title of our message, the title of our study is this. Is there a difference between tribulation, and wrath. Is there a difference between the two? Uh, if, if this is a, a topic you're not familiar with, it, it may it may seem too deep to you. It may seem, hey, what's, what's the reason we really need to know this? Well, it's very important that we understand this. And the reason it's very important that we understand this is it really determines whether or not we as a child of God, we as the church, will face what some call the tribulation. Can I tell you this? Nowhere in the Bible will you find the term seven years tribulation. You just won't find it. It's not there. Uh, You won't find in the Bible, uh, it's said quite in that way, go through the seven year tribulation. You just won't find that. And so uh, I want to ask this question, and it's a very important question. Is there a difference between tribulation and wrath. Let's begin 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope, In our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, I alluded to this a little bit this morning, but if you're saved, you're the elect of God. God didn't choose you to be saved and other people to be lost. He wants everybody saved, and if you are saved, you are part of the elect of God. Verse 5, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. How did they receive the word? In much affliction. With joy of the Holy Ghost. So even in the midst of affliction, they were receiving it with joy in the Holy Ghost. Verse 7. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad. So that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. And how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. Lord speak to our hearts. Help us understand the importance Of this topic. Help us to understand why it matters that there is a difference between tribulation and wrath. And Holy Spirit, apply your truth to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice verse 10 says, Jesus, what did he do? Verse 10, he delivered us from the wrath to come. Not he will deliver us, he's already delivered us from the wrath to come. We are not going to face the wrath of God. As God's children. Praise God for that. We're not going to face the wrath of God. Verse 10 tells us so. Uh, look here in chapter 5 please. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And again just for sake of context. We we may read over some of the same passages every week. But I want these passages to seep down into our memory. And into our mind. Uh, I want our minds to be saturated with these words. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1. The Bible says but of the times. Now he had just got done in First Thessalonians 4 talking about what most people call the rapture. You won't find the word rapture in the Bible, but it's what we refer to as the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4. Then 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1, he says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly. Now, who is he writing to? Verse 1, he's writing to brethren. He's writing to save people. He said, Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh As a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. How does a thief come? Well, he comes with stealth. He comes quickly. He comes when you least expect it. Verse 3. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren, verse 4, still talking to believers, are not in darkness... That that day should overtake you as a thief. So yes, the day of the Lord will come as a thief. A whole lot of people won't be expecting it, just like the day the flood came. Noah was expecting it. Noah was in the ark. He was ready, but a whole lot of people weren't ready. And here there's going to be a day when uh, unbelievers are not going to be ready, but those who are saved. Notice verse 4, he said, That day you're not in darkness, That that day should overtake you as a thief. Verse 5. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for in helmet, the hope of salvation. Now don't miss this. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. By our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, he's not talking about getting your to rest tonight, he's talking about whether you're alive or whether you've passed away already, that's what he's saying, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him, wherefore comfort yourselves together. And edify one another even as also ye do. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, what did he say? He said that the Lord Jesus has delivered us from the wrath to come. Here in chapter 5, verse 9, God hath not appointed us to wrath. We will not face the wrath of God. Why? Jesus faced it for us. Jesus took our place on the old rugged cross. So is there a difference between tribulation and wrath? Well, let's first look at what is wrath. What is wrath? Uh, wrath The first time it's mentioned in the Bible, just to give you uh, a little bit of context for what wrath is, Genesis 39, 19 is when Joseph was lied lied about by Potiphar's wife. Remember, Potiphar's wife kept trying to get Joseph to do wrong, and Joseph would run away from her the final time he left his coat in Potiphar's wife's hand. Well, what happened when Potiphar came home? When Potiphar came home, Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph. Here's a slave, a servant, she said, in so many words, he tried to force me, he tried to assault me. Well, you can imagine how angry Potiphar would be. And that's the first time the word wrath is mentioned. The Bible says that Potiphar's wrath was kindled. You can imagine, the Bible says, jealousy is the rage of a man. His fire, the the flame of his wrath. Has been kindled. Uh, The next time you see it mentioned, Genesis 49, verse 7, it's Simeon and Levi who had slaughtered Shechem and Shechem's father, Hamor, and the Hivites, the people who had treated their sister like a harlot. So you can imagine what kind of anger, what kind of wrath, what kind of vengeance they had in their hearts when they slaughtered Shechem. And the Bible says about this that they were angry, they were fierce. There was wrath and they were cruel. So we need to understand something about wrath. We need to get a picture of what wrath really is. As a matter of fact, wrath or wrathful or appears 200 times, if my count is right. And I counted them all and I think it's right. 200 times in the Bible... Uh, but the, the first few times, it talks about uh, Exodus 15, 7, the wrath consumed them. It's like a fire that consumes somebody. Exodus 22, 24, the, the Lord said His wrath shall wax hot. Look at this example. Look at Exodus 32. Look at verses 10 through 12. Exodus 32, verses 10 through 12. By the way, folks, this is why it's so important. Another truth to understand is we are the people of God because we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the people of God because we are saved. Notice there was a time when God was ready to wipe out the children of Israel. God was ready to take them off the map so to speak. Notice Exodus 32 look at verse 10 the Lord is angry with the children of Israel. They're a stiff necked people. Look at verse 10 he says now therefore God says to Moses let me alone That my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. He said, Moses, stand back. I'm about to wipe a physical nation of Israel off the earth, because my wrath has waxed hot. Look at verse 11. Moses besought the Lord. You know, someone said, it's probably true. If God had a bad day and Moses had a bad day on the same day, there might not have been a children of Israel. It's possible. Because how many times did God say, Stand back, Moses. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses said, Please, no, Lord. And how many times did Moses go, Lord, I can't stand dealing with this people. And God dealt with Moses. But here, look at verse 11. Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against this people? Which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains. And to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath. And repent of this evil against thy people. So what do we see about wrath? We see that it's hot, passionate, fiery, cruel, fierce, violent, consuming anger that's what wrath is wrath is somebody on the attack the bible talks about men having wrath but many times it refers to god's wrath by the way where does god's wrath come from god's wrath stems from his holiness because god is holy god hates sin he is of pure eyes than to behold evil. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why your good works and my good works are like filthy rags. That's why we can't give anything to God to impress God, to say, Lord, let me into heaven. I mean, look at all the good I've done. God in His holiness is a God also of wrath who says that sin has to be dealt with. Amen. He's a holy God. Amen. So what is wrath? It's that hot passionate, fiery, cruel, fierce, consuming, violent anger. But we as God's people are not appointed under wrath. Thank God. We're not appointed under wrath. Look at Revelation chapter 6, please. Revelation chapter 6. Verse number 9. I want you to see. The seals are being opened. And again, we'll we'll get into the place where we're going through Revelation verse by verse and step by step. But I want you to notice a transition period here. Revelation chapter 6. The seals are being opened. And what you have, you have believers who are being persecuted. You have believers who are being slain. You have believers who are facing (coughs) tribulation. And then you have the wrath of God after that. Look at Revelation chapter 6 verse 9. The Bible says when he had opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of them. That were slain for the word of God. And for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest, yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also, and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. Folks, are these people facing the wrath of God? No, they're not. But they are going through tribulation. They are being persecuted. They are being killed at the hands of wicked men. They are facing that persecution. But now notice the very next verse. Verse 12. Here's a transition. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake. By the way, we're going to notice these signs all through the Bible. We'll look. We'll spend one day just looking at these signs. But look at verse 12. It says, Lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every Every mountain and island were moved out of their places and the kings of the earth. Now let me remind you at the time, this time those kings of the earth are persecuting God's people. The kings of the earth, the people in authority, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. What's the wrath? That fierce anger. That fiery anger. That cruel, consuming, violent anger. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Verse 17. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? Now, I I heard for many years people twist this verse, verse 17. And they would say, when it says the great day of His wrath is come, it doesn't mean it just came. It means it's been here and it's still here. Folks, God's word says the great day of His wrath is come. If you read before Revelation chapter 6, you don't find God pouring out any wrath. You don't find the church going through wrath. And by the way, after this time, what you find is God pouring out His wrath. You find seven trumpets where God is declaring war and you find seven vials that are filled up with the wrath of God and He's pouring it out upon a wicked world. So I want you to notice this, that according to Revelation 6, there is a great day coming when His wrath will come. Now... Keep your finger here. We're going, to, we're going to turn several places. Look at Isaiah 13. Remember what we just read about these great men, these kings of the earth, trembling, saying, Hide us from Him that sits upon the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come. Look at Isaiah 13, please. Look at verse 13. Notice, in fact, go back to, to verse, uh, verse number Nine, the Bible says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened, it is going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man in the golden wedge of Ophir therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. The Bible says there's a day when his fierce anger is going to come. There's a day, it sounds just like Revelation chapter 6, when he says the great day of his wrath is come. And again, if you Read before this passage in Revelation, you don't find wrath being poured out on the earth. Start reading after that and you start seeing the wrath of God poured out on an ungodly world. Notice with me, let's look at a few more passages please. And again, there's over two. there are 200 references, so we're not going to look at every reference about wrath. But look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6, we're obviously only going to have time to look at a few of these. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Notice the Bible says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things, what things? For being a whoremonger, covetousness, idolatry, filthiness, fornication, all these things that uh, the Bible refers to previously. It says, uh, verse 6, because of these things cometh the wrath. Of God upon the children of disobedience. In Romans 13 verse 4 it talks about the government executing wrath. One of the government's jobs is to kill offenders. Is to kill people who need to be slain with the sword. Uh, People who have taken other men's lives. Their lives should be taken by the government. And in Romans 13 verse 4 the Bible says that their job is to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. It's the wrath of God. It's the hot, passionate, fiery, cruel, fierce, consuming, violent anger of God. Say, so that's not the God I know. that you haven't been reading the Bible. Because that's one part of God. God is love, but God is holy. And His wrath stems from His holiness. His wrath comes from the fact that He will not dwell with sin. He will not even look upon sin. That's why no person could ever get to heaven by keeping the law, because nobody has kept the law. That's why no person could ever be saved by their works. No person ever could be saved by their works because of our sin. There had to be a payment for sin. Somebody had to satisfy the wrath of God. Look at Romans chapter 5, please. Romans chapter 5. Good news. Somebody did satisfy the wrath of God for the sins of all mankind. And if you have placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that debt is settled for you. God is satisfied with the payment that was made for your sins. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 1. The Bible says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's why we have peace with God. He's a God of wrath. He's a God of holiness. But we have peace because we are saved by grace through faith. in what Jesus Christ did for us, notice we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, don't miss this, but we glory in, what's the next word? We glory in tribulations. Now that's kind of odd, isn't it? If wrath and tribulation are the same, we want to escape wrath. As a matter of fact, if you look at the first time wrath is mentioned in the New Testament, it's Jesus saying, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. So wrath is something we we'll want to flee from. But here, Paul's saying, I glory in tribulations. Flee from wrath, flee to Jesus Christ, but I glory in tribulations. What? There's a difference. Wow. There's a difference. Notice, he says we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. You know, when you when people afflict you, people do you wrong because you're taking a stand for Jesus Christ and you're taking a stand for the Word of God, it builds in you patience. Amen. And notice, patience experience when you what they just sang, Bradley and Kelsey just saying tonight, when you've been through enough storms and you've been down enough rough roads, and people have forsaken you, and people have turned on you, you've learned the Lord's enough, He'll take care of you. Amen. You have experience. Notice. And experience hope because he got me through that one. He'll get me through another one. Verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. By the way, notice that. This is the error of lordship salvation that says first, you must straighten up your life. First, you must behave better and turn over a new leaf before you come to Christ and get saved. Mm-hmm. Folks, that's foolishness. Lordship yeah. salvation is foolishness. It's like saying, I- I'm sick, so I need to get better before I go to the doctor. No, you go to the doctor because you're sick. Mm-hmm. You come to Jesus just the way you are as a sinner condemned headed for hell, and you trust His sacrifice for you, to be saved. Notice, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. It'd be rare if somebody would die in the place of a righteous man, but how many of us are righteous? There's none righteous. No, not one. Exactly. Verse 7. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Somebody might die in place of a good man. But how many good men are, are there? The Bible says they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Amen. And then God brings it down to our level. Thank God He brought it down to our level. Amen. Verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us He took our place he suffered the wrath of God for us every sin all the sins of mankind he literally became sin for us who knew no sin why that we might be made the righteousness of God in him notice verse 9 much more than Being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We're saved from the wrath of God. You're a child of God. You're never going to face the wrath of God. Go read in Revelation. They said the great day of His wrath has come. And you read after that, boy, you find God pouring out His wrath. You look at hell and consider what hell is, what the lake of fire is. It's, It's God's wrath. It's his anger, his vehement, cruel, fiery, passionate, consuming anger against sin. Through Jesus Christ, we're saved from wrath. Verse 10 says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. By the way, take notice of that. We were all God's enemies before we were saved. All of us. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. What's atonement? It means God's wrath. It was satisfied. Jesus satisfied God's wrath when He shed His blood on the cross for us. You now I like that word Atonement. It looks like act one meant God made us one. The Lord Jesus Christ because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus took God's wrath for us. So, will the church go through the wrath of God? Will we ever face the wrath of God? No. No. Because Jesus paid the price for us. So, that being said, will the church ever face tribulation? Well, we just read Romans 5 where he said, I glory in tribulations. But hey, I'm saved from wrath. I glory in tribulations. I'm saved from wrath. We're not going to look at every single time tribulation or tribulations appears in the Bible. though It's a far fewer times. As a matter of fact, it's uh, four times it's tribulations, it's one time in the Old Testament, three times in the New. And 22 times it's tribulation, three times in the Old Testament, 19 times in the New Testament. But there is a difference between wrath and tribulation. There's a difference. I, I want us to see this clearly tonight. Look at Deuteronomy, please, chapter 4. This is the first time this word is mentioned in the Bible. Deuteronomy, chapter 4, look at verse number 30. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 30. Again, the Lord is speaking to the nation of Israel, a physical nation that He has brought out of Egypt. Notice He says, verse 30, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee. Well, all what things? He just told them, if you obey my law, you'll be blessed, you'll, you'll be a special nation unto me. If you disobey my law, He listed persons they would face. And he enumerates this even more later in the book of Deuteronomy. But he says, When thou art in tribulation, and all these things, these bad things, are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. Keep that in mind. Look at Judges chapter 10 now. Look at Judges chapter 10 again. Speaking to the same people, look at Judges chapter 10. The children of Israel had forsaken the Lord. They had gone after other gods. They had served Balaam, as you see in verse 6. They had served Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria, the gods of Zidon. They had followed all these perverse idols. Look at verse 10. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Judges chapter 10, verse 10. Saying, we have sinned against thee both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did not I deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites, from the children of Ammon, and from the Philistines, the Zidonians also, and the Amalekites and the Manites, did oppress you. Notice that word, oppress. They did oppress you. And ye cried to me, and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet ye have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation said, you're being oppressed. You're in a time of tribulation. In this case, they were in tribulation because they'd forsaken the Lord. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. I simply want us to, to establish a balanced approach here that there's a difference between tribulation and wrath. Look at 1 Samuel 10. You know, there are some things that just happen uh, because of human nature. There are things that other humans do to other human beings and they're, they're oppressing them. They're fighting against them. They're harming them. In these cases, these were foreign nations. God, many a time, used a foreign nation to discipline His nation, His children of Israel. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. Look at verse number 18. The Bible says, It said unto the children of Israel, this is after they had asked for a king. Samuel is speaking to the children of Israel. He says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all kingdoms and of them that oppressed you. Remember, they were slaves for over 400 years. Verse 19, And ye have this day rejected your God who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. He said, remember how He delivered you from those taskmasters, those people who were harming you? Remember how He delivered? Did you forget that? Well, the first time tribulation is mentioned in the New Testament, it's found in Matthew 13. Turn there with me, please. And what I'd encourage you to do is on your own, go look up every instance where the Bible refers to tribulation. Tribulations. it's not that many. Less than 30. Look at Matthew, chapter number 13. Verse 21. Here we get another good definition of tribulation. Notice. Yet hath he not root in himself. He's talking about someone who receives the seed of the word of God. But verse 21. He hath not root in himself. Matthew 13.21. But dureth for a while. Notice. For when tribulation or persecution. No, Notice what he said. Tribulation or persecution. So he's saying, What is tribulation? It's persecution. It's oppression. It's people hurting you. It's mankind afflicting you. Verse 21 When tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, he is offended. Look it down in Matthew 24. We'll spend much more time in. Some of these chapters in the future. But I simply want us to see tonight the difference between wrath and tribulation. Look at Matthew chapter 24 please. Matthew 24, look at verse 15. And you're going to see some common earmarks all through these scriptures of prophecy. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, "...when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation." We'll focus on that a whole other day. But it's basically the Antichrist standing up and saying, "...I am God, worship me as such." Notice, when ye shall see the abomination of, da- of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth let him understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Now why does he say in Judea? Well, because that's the epicenter where all this is going to happen. This is where this is going to be. He's going to be right there in that region. Now, keep reading Matthew uh, 24, look at verse 21. For then shall be... What are the next two words? Then shall be... Great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Well, to this point, what has tribulation been? It's been man afflicting other men. It hasn't changed. It's still the same thing. It doesn't all of a sudden change into a different definition. It's still tribulation. It's people afflicting other people. Now keep reading on here. It says verse 22. Except those days should be shortened. There should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake. Now wait a minute. Who are the elect when we read them earlier? Believers. Who are the elect here? Has it changed definitions all of a sudden because of Matthew 24? No, it's still believers. The elect's sake. Those days shall be shortened. Now keep reading. Look at uh, verse number 27. The Bible says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east, shineeth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. If you go outside and there's a lightning storm, you're going to see it. Right. I mean, it's going to go all the way from east to west. You can, somebody say, hey, did you see that lightning? I did not see anything. Well, you, you saw it. If your eyes were open and you could see, you saw it. Right. And the Bible says, that's the way the coming of the Son of Man is going to be. Say, well, that's the coming of the Son of Man, Pastor. Well, we're going to look at that too. What does the Bible say about the coming of the Lord? Go read 1 Thessalonians 4 in preparation for that. Verse 28, it says, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Have you ever been driving down the road and you look up and you see a bunch of buzzards flying? You know, I mean, it might be miles away. They found them a good coon or a deer or something. But you can see it from miles away. Anybody in the region can look up and see it. That's what he's talking about. Verse 29, notice, immediately after the what's the next word? Tribulation of those days. Now we're gonna, this is familiar territory. We just read this in Isaiah and in Revelation. It says. After the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect, still the same elect, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Look at Mark chapter 13 with me, please. Mark chapter number 13. Again, tonight I simply want to establish there is a difference between tribulation and wrath. Wrath is God with His anger being poured out. On a wicked world, tribulation is man afflicting other men. Look at Mark chapter 13, please, verse 14. The Bible says, But when ye shall see in the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let them that be in Judea... Flee to the mountains. Look at verse 19. For in those days shall be affliction. Well, we just read tribulation. Now we're reading the word affliction. It's the same thing. Right. Those days shall be affliction. Such as was not from the beginning of the creation. Which God created unto this time. Neither shall be. Look at verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation. So it was affliction. Here it's tribulation. It's the same thing. After that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and then shall He send His angels and shall gather together His elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Look at Acts chapter 14, please. Acts chapter 14. Look at verse 22. I know the Super Bowl's on, folks, but the, 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 it, it'll be on hold. Right. It, it, you don't have a team in it anyway, do you? Ah, That's right, there you go. So, Acts chapter 14, look at verse 22. Notice what the Bible says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, notice, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Now, is that just for the believers over in Iran today? Is that just for the believers in China who are suffering by the millions? Did you know the church in China prays for persecution for the church in America? Did you know they do that? Then so why would they do that? That's not very Christ-like. They pray for persecution for us because that's what's making them strong. They stand for their faith because it could cost them their life. The average pastor in China faces decades in prison if he's a true pastor, if he's really preaching the truth. Folks, this is for all believers. We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. What did Paul say? He said, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're not going to be popular if you take a stand for the word of God in this day and age especially. But, you know, think about this. We live in what we would think of as the last bastion of freedom in the world. And yet we had a state just allow abortion up to nine months of a baby. Do you know how strange I'm going to sound and you're going to sound the more we keep lifting up the Word of God and the more corrupt the world gets? By the way, that's where a lot of churches are messed up because they're not standing on the truth. They're just being separated from the world. So as the world moves, they move too. As the world moves, they adjust too. Now, they're they're not as bad as the world, but they're worse than the world ever used to be. That's why our job is to stand on the truth. Stand on the truth. The Bible says that through much tribulation we must enter into the kingdom of God. Look at uh, Romans, please, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. And there's such comfort in this. Look at Romans 8, verse 35. The Bible says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... You know, we, we studied Jeremiah on Wednesday night. He was thrown into that cistern. Where the mud, the Bible says, if you read Lamentations, it sounds like the mud came up into uh, over him. They put a stone to seal him in this, this grave, basically, this pit. Did that separate him from the Lord? No, the Lord knew exactly where he was. Amen. Notice what the Bible says, "...who shall separate us from the love of Christ?" nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, twelve we're to be patient in tribulation. In 2 Corinthians 1, 4 it says that the Lord comforteth us in all our tribulation. In 2 Corinthians 7, verse 4 it says that we're to be joyful in all our tribulation. I want to look at just a few more passages. Turn with me please to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, these people were facing affliction and tribulation because of the Word of God, because they were taking a stand for truth. And folks, it's not going to be any different for us. We have a wonderful place of liberty in America. But those doors are closing in some ways, in some aspects. By the way, that's why we need to use our freedom. You know, let's use our freedom. To preach the gospel to the lost. Amen. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. The Bible says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. You go through a tough time, don't let it shake you. Don't, don't let it push you away from the Lord. If anything, get closer to the Lord. Amen. If anything, get closer to God's people. You know, when you don't feel like being in church, that's the time you need to be in church. Amen. That's the time you need to be with God's people. The time you don't feel like getting in the Word. That's when you need it the most. Amen. Verse 3. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. So listen. this: We're appointed there unto. We're going to face affliction. Verse 4. For verily. When we were with you. We told you before. That we should suffer tribulation. Even as it came to pass. And ye know. Now look at Revelation please. We're going to end here tonight. Revelation. Chapter 1 verse 9. Where was John? He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He wasn't vacationing there. He was exiled there. Why? For the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Look at Revelation chapter 7. We're going to be done with this. I preached several months ago on the church in Revelation. I heard most of my life. The church doesn't appear anywhere between this chapter and that chapter. And i looked at place after place after place. Folks, I'm there. I'll tell you that. I'm a believer and I'm there. Look at Revelation chapter 7. Verse number 9. The Bible says, after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude I'm in this chapter too. Amen. I'm here. Amen. If you're a believer, you're here. That's right. Which no man could number. Nobody could number. Of which nation was it? Of all nations. Amen. And kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes. Where we get those? They were granted unto us. Amen. The righteousness that was granted to us because of Jesus Christ clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders of the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever amen and one of the elders answered saying unto me What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. Notice it doesn't say they missed tribulation. They were never in it. They were in it. They came out of it. They made it through. You know, whatever tribulation you face as a child of God, you're going to make it through. Right. Amen. You're going to make it. That's right. You are. Keep your eye on the end. Remember who wins. You're on the winning side if you're a born-again child of God. These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of Amen. the Lamb.
1: Amen. Therefore
0: are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Why does he have to wipe away tears? Because they went through tribulation. They went through trouble. Is there a difference between tribulation and wrath? Yes, there is. What's the difference? Wrath, as far as revelation is concerned, is God pouring out His fierce, vehement anger, which comes from His holiness on a wicked world. And tribulation is man afflicting other men. Wrath is what God does to the world, the wicked world, the lost world. When we're gone, tribulation is what the world does us. That's okay, we'll make it through it all. Amen. We'll make it through it all, we're on the winning side. What's about everybody? This is Tim DeVries, pastor of Vision Valley Baptist Church in Mount Washington, Kentucky, and I want to thank you for watching our YouTube channel today. Our desire is that the world know Jesus Christ as Savior, and that in this generation, His people will be faithful, uh, courageous, bold witnesses for Him. I want to say to you, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God loves you and wants you to know for sure that you have a home in heaven. In order to know for sure you're saved and that you're going to heaven, the Bible tells us we need to know, first of all, that we're all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, we don't measure up to God's glory. God is perfect, we are not. And sin keeps us out of heaven. Secondly, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. The scripture says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Revelation 20, 14 and 15 says, "In death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. And because of our sin, we don't deserve heaven. Unfortunately, we deserve a devil's hell. But the good news is this, that God loves us. And because He loves us, He made one way of salvation. It's not through a church, it's not through a religion, it's not through doing the best works you can do, the only way He made to get to heaven is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And in Acts 4.12, the Scripture says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus came to this earth, He was born, He lived a perfect, sinless life. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus took our place on the old rugged cross. He was crucified, buried, and rose again to pay for our sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus today offers you a free gift. That gift is eternal life. Heaven instead of hell. And if today you're willing to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you're willing to call on Him today to save you, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on the Lord Jesus Christ right now to be your Savior? If you will, He promised He would save you. Feel free to contact us with any questions. We want to help you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. God bless you.